0: Welcome to Generation Ag, a podcast for the future of agriculture. I'm Kayla. And I'm Lavinia. And we're a couple of young Aggies passionate about celebrating our industry and sharing the stories of people who work in it. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Generation Ag. You've got Kayla and today I am so excited to bring you this new episode. I had the absolute pleasure of sitting on a call with Mick Gould. Most people would know Mick as the down-to-earth larrikin from the 2019 series of the popular TV show Married at First Sight. But these days, Mick uses his platform to shed light on important issues in agriculture and be a voice to his metropolitan followers about what real life on the farm is like. So let's not make you wait any longer. Here's Mick. (laughs) Well, good morning, Mick. Thank you so much for coming on the Generation Ag podcast.
1: No dramas anytime.
0: Uh, I wanna know. Lots of people will probably come to this episode of the podcast, perhaps with a bit of an idea for who they think um, Mick Gould is. But I wanna know what you have to say about who you are. And away from the screens and the tabloids and newspapers and social media, who is Mick Gould?
1: Oh, it's it's quite a quite an interesting question because most of the time Oh, wherever you go, I get a lot of people coming up and saying good day and they're like, Oh, I feel like I know you I feel like I know you and and they yeah, it's um it's a weird thing but oh look away from everything. I'm just uh I think an easy going um easy going normal <laughs> normal person who, you know, likes uh likes hanging out with animals more than I do most people. So which is like every everyone who's got animals I suppose, but um but no, I, I just love the, love the quiet life and we're my little patch of, patch of, patch of place in um, in, in and yeah, it's just, it's a quiet life working and yeah, carrying on and yeah, trying to avoid uh, crowds like the plague, so <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, cool. And so we always ask our guests, um, what was your childhood like? Oh,
1: mine mine was quite good we had um, i'm actually at my parents house at the moment where they bought oh, 34 36 years ago something like that um, and yeah they they sacrificed a hell of a lot for I've got an older brother younger sister and they sacrificed a lot so we could play sport and and do all our academic studies and everything like that so I grew up in uh, just the suburbs north of north of Brisbane, a little place called Strath and uh Yeah, it's it's changed a hell of a lot, but um but no, we just grew up playing cricket, playing sport way too much and um it was it was good fun actually. It was really, really good childhood without uh you know, the only wish would have been if we grew up on a farm somewhere, but anyway, you can't have it all, can you? <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> So, um, did you have exposure to agriculture as a child, or that came later? Oh, not really,
1: not really. No, the the first I um, would visit do farm stays and zoos and and all that sort of jazz. But um, probably the first the first bit for me, I was living I was living up in Darwin, and we stayed on a um, oh, the last couple of months I was there. I was on a um, oh, I was on a small five acre property looking after a. A lady's house um, feeding feeding the horses and the rest of the animals while she was away and it was just a simple you know simple easy um, easy sort of life and that sort of sparked uh, what i I was like yeah this is this is a hell of a lot better than living in the living in the bloody city that 's for sure so I moved then moved from Darwin back down to Brisbane and um, pretty well pretty well hated it and found. Found myself back in the cycle of just going out and partying and you know, just because there was there was really no other outlet when you're living with a couple of boys in a bachelor house and you know, that was the uh, that was sort of the thing to do, which you know, you played footy and played footy at work and yeah, went mm-hmm. out and did all the rest of the stuff which comes with comes with that. So um but yeah, wanted wanted a bit of a change and then um friend of mine had uh friend of mine had a bit of acreage up in up in Gympie where I am now and I'd go visit him and you know, cows, chickens and you know, four wool drives and all that all the whole shooting match and mm-hmm. um really yeah, loved it. So I made the jump.
0: Yeah. And um so before you moved to the farm, what was your sort of career prior to working on your little patch? Oh.
1: Oh, I'm still, uh, before that I, you know, plastering, commercial plastering sort of thing. So I work for a couple of different mobs and mm-hmm. um, we work sort of a, a fly around Australia doing bank and shop fit outs. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in Gympie itself, I do Renaults and all that sort of jazz. So that's my main, my main income. And I, yeah, the, the thing with the show is they made me out to be this big time mm-hmm. farmer and I said right at the start. Um, <laughs> I've got 11 acres I'm not a farmer. I'm not a farmer's asshole, and they <laughs> they sort of pinch that on me. Which, yeah. Um, and then they go, yeah, no dramas. We're not going to portray you as a farmer. And then they sort of they made me wear flannels all the time and made me wear my work boots all the time. Work mm. boots are fine because they're comfy as hell as opposed to those <laughs> other bloody pointy bloody stupid shoes that blokes wear these days. <laughs> yeah, didn't get them anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, and so that's when I I was talking to a friend of mine. And um, it was right at the when when all this was going on, right at the start. The so the, the green shirts, um, the green shirts movement was founded. Oh, probably about two years ago now. Right at the start, they have it. They had a big rally with Ag Force Queensland um, against the Parliament House, and I, and I, was I talking remember. to a friend of mine who was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was talking to a friend of mine, and I I sort of knew knew a little bit what that was going on and my my friend is um well he's he's now down oh, about two hours west of the Gold Coast but um he um he was hunting wild dogs and working out uh, out at Charleville Way and I said to him you know what a this is what the show's doing how can I get on the front foot and help and he got me in touch with um you know the green shirts to try and help out and promote and it's been the, the best thing ever so um, and yeah I, I love it. I'd still donate all my time and try and help as much as I can while still having a roof over my head. so mm-hmm. um, it's a, it's a crucial thing that the agricultural industry needs to needs to happen and now the, the green shirts are over in WA as well. so mm-hmm. um, there, there's a lot of stuff going on over there, especially with the live live export traits and then mm-hmm. you've got the the, um, the the cattle council of Australia doing. Um, the cattle collective, the sheep collective, which you guys have covered, yeah, as well. So it's um, yeah, it's just another body to to try and get our voice heard um, to the various governments around the place.
0: Yeah, that's really, I'm, um, you know, something that was, I guess, you know, really surprising um, coming across. You know, if you look on your social media, you know, people might come to your you know, platforms and not expecting that this is what they're going to get when they follow along uh, with you. Um, Has have, have you? Do you feel like you know, married at first sight really allowed you to create a platform and be a voice for agriculture? Oh, I
1: look. Being uh, there was a, there was a term the other day that someone used, which is an advocate for agriculture, and mm. I sort of I take a back seat for that because the. The advocates are the, you know, the real the real farmers out there that are doing the 12 to 15-hour days and mm. um, to, and all that sort of stuff. I, I sort of view it as like not educating the people per se, like just little things because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people this day and age technology-wise, they get distracted very easy. So you need you need photos are a very good way of getting Messages across with a little, with a couple of words, and people can see that and go, oh yeah, cool, no worries. And then people get in contact, and then I have a dialogue with that person, and they ask certain things. For instance, one lady, I was at a um, cattle, oh it's not a sheep farm in Kingaroy, and I took a couple of videos, and we had the sheep and the crush and blah blah blah. And um, one girl messaged me and said, it looks like you're herding the animals and I and we were talking about the sheep cradle and this, that and the other, and I went on to say this is actually the you know, the safest way to handle the sheep. It doesn't hurt them, it doesn't hurt us, mm. blah, blah, blah. And she's going, Oh, okay. So she was ready to jump on the front foot and basically verbally abuse me for mm-hmm. what was happening. But then you'd educate these people and they go, Oh, okay, cool. Carry on. Sorry, it looks like you were hurting the animals And you're like, No, far from it. <laughs> far bloody from it. So <laughs> Um, but yeah, the social media thing is a very interesting machine. Like, obviously, I don't have the body to post, um, you know, photos of me arse and tits hanging out all the time. Well, you so, did. You, you, know, what you posted um,
0: for the naked farmer, didn't you?
1: <laughs> oh, look, that's a bit different. That's a bit different. <laughs> yeah. that's, got other, that's got other positive uh, underlying issues involved in that. But, um, you know, the nuts and bolts of it. Like, you have a look at a lot of people's social medias, and it's always. Oh, you know, feeling grateful, and their bloody tits and arse are hanging out. Like, really, you know, let's—you need yeah. to show a bit more than that. Let's have some brains about it. But no, that seems to be what gets the the followers on um, on Instagram, or just go on a stupid reality show, like I did, and you get tons <laughs> of followers. So,
0: <laughs> well, since we've got there, can I like, what was the motivation for you behind signing up for the show? Well,
1: uh, funnily enough, I was actually working um, working in Brisbane. We uh, were working in the centre of town. It would have been like uh, 9.30 at night and these two chicks come up to me and hit me up to be on the show. And oh. I'm wearing, uh, you know, high-vis shirt, footy shorts and work boots and a uh, tool belt around me and they hit me up. And I sort of looked around and I'm thinking, this is a practical joke. This is a G up. <laughs> I was wearing <laughs> and cursing because, yeah, I thought the boys had buddy G me up and um still to this day I still think that but anyway um yeah they they hit us up and I thought it was a joke and I remember coming home and I said to mum and dad oh you know look at this they signed me up for, for this crap and they were laughing at me going there's no way you'll get on it and um it didn't matter what I did they wouldn't let me not get on the show like I'd I'd message him and tell him to leave me alone because I'm at work and I'll get back to you. I never got back to him. then got an email saying, you're through to the next stage. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they much uh, stuff. So... <laughs> yeah, I was just a poor side. It wasn't until, yeah, my mate said to this, these two girls, um, he's from the country, loves country music, and he's got a couple of animals. They've just gone, bang, this is it. This is a bloke. We're mm-hmm. not letting him off our, off the lead show. But what they... But what was actually said to me about how the show was going to be, what they were, what they offered me was it's going to be amazing. We're going to set you up with someone awesome who's mm. going to be your type. Um, we're going to do heaps of outdoor filming because you're an outdoor sort of a dude, blah, blah, blah. And they did the complete opposite. Like they stitched me up uh, match-wise. We weren't allowed to leave the hotel at all. And it was just – it was the, the hardest – three months of my life it was bloody torture.
0: Okay, imagine Absolute torture. Yeah. As someone who um obviously you wanted would have wanted to be back on the farm as well. Like did that was that able to happen for you while you were on the show?
1: Oh well I sort of it, it comes with anyone that I know. They you, you like it goes to the old days of, you know, a handshake sort of a deal and I said to him, look, Um, during the course of filming um, on the East Coast especially, you get uh, barber's pole and worms and all that sort of jazz, especially Mm -hmm. in the summertime. So I said, I need to go back every couple of weeks and just visually check the animals to see if there's any of that stuff. And it was, yeah, 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 we'll sort it all out for you. Um, And then it come to the first, uh, a month later or five weeks later, I said, look, I need to go home now just to check the animals. And... Then uh, they've gone, yeah, yeah, no worries. And then they took all that money for flights, for flights and hire car and everything out of our weekly wage that we got. So mm. we were getting paid, we were getting paid 150 bucks a day, um, so a thousand fifty dollars a week. And then on top mm. of that, so I had to fly in Sydney to the sunny coast, and then somehow get a car, sunny coast to Gympie, which is an hour away. So some flights would be you know, six, 700 bucks sometimes. So, there's basically most of your weekly wage gone. And on yeah. top of that, you still had to pay insurances, bloody this, that and the other. So, I, I genuinely thought, stitch up, <laughs> absolute stitch up.
0: Yeah. Oh. yeah. So, well, I so, mean, we, we touched on it before, but I'll, I'll sort of, you know, ask again, you know, how encouraged were you to sort of stage the parts of your life that were around the farm?
1: Oh pretty much everything. Oh if you watch the episode when we were at home pretty much everything we did was normal normal procedure from you know drenching the drenching the animals like the, mm. the the sheep I've got in the shed and cleaning out chicken coops and all that sort of jazz was all was all normal. I um there was nothing really there was nothing really too too stage about it like everything mm-hmm. Everything I did, I'd normally do anyway. So, yeah, um, yeah. I just went, yeah, I just thought I'd jump on the front foot and then that way get on get on board with the, the green shirts movement, et cetera, et cetera. So at least if I'm playing the part, may as well, you know, <laughs> may as well do it.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe tell us a bit more about um, some of the things you've been able to do with the green shirts movement or other, um, you know, agricultural Bodies that you've sort of felt really proud about since um, being on the show.
1: Oh, just just little things like being able to um, being able to communicate on Instagram with people in in different areas who are going through the drought as well. So it feels like um, everyone needs a place to vent, and you know, I put up photos and videos and blah blah blah. And you get a lot of dialogue with people that come on there, and they chuck their two bob in. But everyone needs a place to vent. It's pretty—I mean, you're not taking on people's burdens um, per se, but you, you're there for people to to talk to and communicate with. And I, I think that's a pretty a pretty cool thing to have people looking up to you that way. But uh, green shirts wise, we've had um, we've had rallies in – Oh, Rockwood Weir at the moment um, we're supporting a bloke by the name of Dr Peter Reed against the Queensland Government because he got he got sacked unfairly because his uh, his um, Great Barrier Reef research was correct and wasn't and was sacked by the Labor Government because um, the conclusions he came up with weren't what they wanted um, so we're supporting him with all this research through that we've at the moment there's um, the government are trying to bring in um, bull, bull water, meter itch, um, mm. which is eventually get, they're going to charge farmers for um, for using bore water mm. at a cost of the farmer to install. So, um, And they're not worried about safety or anything like that as well. So real um, just once again farming from the, the desk in Brisbane. Um, so mm. we've got a big year this year in Queensland especially. So, yeah, it's... It's going to
0: be fun. Can't mm. wait. Yeah. Um, I'm from Queensland, so I feel um, super excited to hear you talk about all that. My family farm's still out on the Darling Downs. Um, oh, whereabouts? Yeah, where about? Uh, Jandowie past Dolby. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep, so, happy days. <laughs> played, played plenty of netball growing up with uh, kids from Charleville and Roma and everything. So, um, oh, no, I'm really... Yeah. I'm, I'm glad they have, uh, you know, Queensland's got an advocate like you. I know you don't like the term, but I think um, as an industry and anyone in a position to lend a voice to agriculture and can do it with such passion is, you know, so important to, you know, overcoming some of the challenges that we've got. We sort of covered um, a little bit about the farm, but do you want to tell us, you know, what's your little patch of paradise like?
1: Oh, it's great! I got um, eleven acres in a little place called Mother Mountain, and um, yeah, I bought it because it was it was nice and cheap, and pretty much all I can afford. And um, yeah, got the animals and everything on there as well. So um, it's yeah, it's just bloody great. I love it, and all the all the neighbours. Um, whenever I get a couple of the lambs done, they all they always get a, a leg of lamb and some loin chops and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So keeping the good books by offering them lamb as you do in the country so it's um it's a really nice community feel too It, it was it feels like where I am now where where I grew up just you know everyone in the street you can you know walk over to people's houses and go have go have beers with them and you know just chew the fat whenever you want and there's always someone there to um to lend a hand or to help out or Um, It's just, yeah, it's a beautiful community for a lot of uh, families growing up there. So it's just a really cool area. I love it, actually.
0: Yeah, that's great. And how are things there in terms of, um, you know, the drought and the fires and everything?
1: Oh, we're pretty, we just got declared, I think the Council just got declared in a drought zone, but we're a bit, we're a bit fortunate because we're, Obviously, east of the Great Dividing Range, so we get a mm-hmm. bit more rain than everyone out west. So we've had we've had spatterings of it, but um, like I've I've shown people on the on Instagram, you know, before and after, during photos of um, of my yard. And mm-hmm. at the moment, it was looking it was looking very very bad. Like I'd spend I'd spend weekends fencing neighbours' properties, chucking sheep in neighbours' yards, like pushing them up the road to eat the grass on the side of the. Um, on the side of the, the cul-de-sac I live in Just to give them Just so they stop squealing at me And um, That sort of That sort of stuff Really Really hits home When you see stuff People on the news um, You know Farmers that are basically At, at breaking point Having to feed 5,000 on animals a day And you can imagine mm-hmm. I've got You know 20 of the buggers Squealing at me Let alone 5,000 oh, i I'll manage. That'll do me So yeah. um, You know As much as Yeah you've got to help out As much as as much as you can, so soon I'm heading down to Baraba in um, New South Wales, northern I oh, near Tamworth way to do a, a drought fundraiser down there in a couple of weeks. Awesome. Um, just yeah, trying to yeah trying to help out as, as much as you can whilst while I've still got a little bit of little bit of fame, I suppose about it <laughs> before I'm just a forgotten bugger, might as well try to do, help out as much as I can, so yeah that's what it's all about. Yeah. Oh, I
0: think, anyway. Yeah, and have you? Um, you know, I just ha- having a quick look through your social media. You didn't have social media for very long, and I'm guessing before the show. Um, and you probably had to have social media when you started on the show. How like you've amassed you know 160 thousand followers since then? What's What's that transition been like? Because you know, for someone who's obviously, um, very laid back and. <laughs> probably not very showy and you probably never wanted to have social media before this. Um,
1: Hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I Yeah, they, right at the very start, I remember sitting in the circle with the rest of the boys and they're talking about the social media stuff mm. and I took a phone call and went outside and um, then I got in trouble by the head, Sheila, who runs the whole thing. Yeah, what are you doing? I said, I'm not bloody listening to social media crap. I've got shit to do and... Um, yeah, I got in trouble for that surprise and, um, (laughs) yeah, they sort of, they encourage you to have social media, but you don't need to have it. So I thought, oh, bugger it, I've gone through all this stuff, I may as well get it and if I don't like it, you can always switch it off and then all of a sudden it gone from, I got it two weeks before the show aired and I think I had 20 people following me and then after the first day it was a 1,000 and the second day it was up to like 10,000 and you go, Holy crap. <laughs> what is this? What is this? And it just insane and the, the people messaging you and the the photos and the videos you get and um oh, it was actually really cool one day one day I went to one of the dinner parties in a in the um work boots and a flannel or something like that and then the next the the next day, these blokes were videoing themselves walking to the pub, going with dressed like Mick, and they're all wearing flannels and work boots, and that was really cool. And then the day I got dressed up, the day the one day I got dressed up in a suit and blah blah blah, and went to the dinner party, they chucked all their stuff in the corner and just said, RIP, Mick. And that was really funny. It was just, it was one of those things like, I, I love all that sort of humorous. Humorous yeah. Stuff and I had a great chuckle about that. So uh, it's um, it's been fun interacting with people. But then you get a lot of the time because you know with agriculture, as you guys would get, you get mm. the the lefty, greeny, vegans that have absolutely no idea mm. how anything works in the bush, but they are right and you are wrong, mm-hmm. and. I love educating those people. So if you're listening and you're one of those people, <laughs> message me. Let's have a conversation. Bring it love on. It. <laughs> because there's one thing. Yeah, well, there's one thing that's left. lefties hate, and that's facts and figures. So, yeah, um, yeah it's just, oh.
0: Yeah. Just well, another thing. I, yeah. the other thing that they hate is um, – you know that there's actually a you're a person you know when you can talk to yes. them and come at them and have a conversation, and then suddenly you 're not big bad agriculture anymore it 's that you're you know you're Mick and you have a face and and feelings and you are passionate about yes. what you do
1: yeah absolutely absolutely and i I'm, I quite love the the industry and and now especially most of my conversations are, are like this you basically talk and drought you 're talking agricultural practices and political stuff which was which is pretty cool because before the show it was basically just sport and footy so um mm. I, I i think uh if i hadn't have done the show i wouldn't have i think i think matured a bit and tried to you know give back and help out a little bit more which is yeah which is weird
0: Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I love it. <laughs> well, speaking about politics, I was listening to an episode of a podcast um, with Matt Collins. You recorded probably a bit over a year ago now um, yeah. where you sort of yeah, jokingly yeah. Oh, spoke about, um, you know, potentially what it would be like for Mick Gould to run for politics. So I'm, I'm <laughs> interested to hear if that sort of idea has matured in any way and, you know, what would be on your policy card uh, if, if that was the case?
1: Uh, <laughs> I... Oh, I've actually thought about it. I've thought about it a fair bit, but the more I think about it, the more it sort of scares me away. With all the yeah. with all the PC with all the PC rubbish in any anti, any agricultural legislation these days that you're pushing through, it'd be like you're just basically pushing shit uphill. So I don't know. I don't know. It's it's one of those things. Oh, you sort of got to chuck your hat in the ring to have a go, but at the same time, like you know, it's there's um yeah, once you get into the nuts and bolts of what's happening there, like look at Pauline, you know, she went mm-hmm. to jail she went to jail because she was trying to change legislation and stop certain things from happening and they've just gone, nah, you're going to jail, champ, don't mess with the boys club. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what essentially it is. So I I don't know. I don't
0: know. Mm. I'll yeah, I sit down and this- linger
1: about it a hell of a lot more.
0: Yeah, I was having this exact conversation with at lunch yesterday with some colleagues and, um, yeah, how anyone who, like the people who should be in politics become very disenfranchised by the by just the politicalness of it, you know, and it, it sounds silly yes. to say, but, you know, just the bureaucracy and the backstabbing and it doesn't seem very um, enticing from the outside.
1: No, absolutely not. Especially what you've got to do is look at... Um, Look for instance the fires, the fires that were going on a couple of weeks ago, mm. and like everyone, everyone knows that it's Bob Brown locked up national parks in '95, and it's been fuel loads that have been building up for ages, and all of a sudden, mm. so that was that was instigated by the Greens, and then local council have got involved to appease the city Greens voters who have no idea what's going on, but as long as they get their cafe latte soy milk in the morning, <laughs> happy days, um, and. Yeah, then all of a sudden you've got in Parliament you've got the Greens attacking the the Liberal Party for being arsonists, and it's just finger pointing, and there's no actual get in there and get it done. And that was my biggest gripe with Scott Morrison because he could have got in there and said, right, all the state governments are piss farting around. Mm. Um, let's get let's get in there and let's let's get some stuff happening. But he buggered off to Hawaii. The Queensland Labour government, buddy, Anastasia Pellet jumped on a cruise for three weeks while the while the state was burning. And the Victorian um old mate, buddy, gave himself a forty seven thousand dollar pay rise and went on holidays as well. But everyone seemed to attack Scotty. But what you want is leadership from the top. Yeah. And he should you know, if you're on a if you're on a shit ton of money, sorry mate, you're working twenty four seven as far as I'm concerned. Um so, but now he's starting to pull his finger out and get and get things in motion. But once again, it's getting blocked by the by the greenies and the over overlying um, layers of of political rubbish that's going on at the moment. Like I was just reading an article saying a family who got their house wiped out on Kangaroo Island are struggling to fill out all the paperwork for the thousand yeah. dollar emergency benefit fund. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, anyway, it's just backward. Like, I don't know, I reckon I'd lose my, lose my shit and end up in jail.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Trying to get some common sense into these people. Yeah. Oh, anyway.
0: Well, common sense isn't so common, is it?
1: No, no. It should <laughs> just be called sense these days. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, well, I'll, I've got, um, I guess, two more questions and then I'll I'll let you carry on with your day. Um, yeah, yeah. For- you know, for if there's a young bloke or a young lady farmer, you know, listening to this podcast th- thinking, oh, you know, Mick did it, I'll have a crack at a TV show like Married at First Sight or we've got Farmer no. Wants a Wife coming soon. <laughs> Don't even have to finish.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, funnily enough, funny you say that actually because over the, um, just after the show, Ed, so the new season of bloody Farmer Wants a Wife come out, and I had the casting agent of Farmer Wants A Wife message me and said, hey, Mick, do you know any farmers? And I've gone, yeah, heaps. And I gave them one, um, one Instagram account, and it was from this, from this lady, Jillaroo, um, her Instagram is Australian Cow Puncher. And anyway, um, she's gone, oh, we don't want girls, we want blokes. And so Oof. I messaged her and said, well, why don't, why don't you get a couple of Jillaroo ticks on there? and show the young girls of Australia that there are strong role models to be had instead mm-hmm. of the idiots that were on my television show. Because, mm-hmm. like, yeah, you, when, when women are starting to look up to, to women like Martha and Jess and say, wow, well, they're role models, I want to be like them, we're, mm-hmm. we're up shit creek already. <laughs> yeah, so well, why, not, just... why not get a couple of girls? Like, like um, I listened to your podcast the other week with Camilla.
0: Um, mm, Camille
1: Camp the Camille, um, uh, Eater Station chick yeah. um, What's her yeah, name? Camille yeah, Camille Camp, yeah, the cattleman's daughter Yeah, Camille <laughs> Camp, that's it, yeah um, And that sort of task Look, Why not get those women out there to show To show them that they can be You know, they can get dirty and, and be Awesome and, uh, and you know, do more Than what men can do, but no, they want Dumb women Going, oh, I don't want to do that, I don't want to do That, and it's, yeah, rubbish so yeah, Don't well, do it
0: they're trying to cast yeah. a soap opera, aren't they?
1: Yes. And that's and that's all it is. Yeah. Why do you see the new season of mass? Oh, so that's all I can say. <laughs> Where are we, from what I've heard? Where are we? <laughs>
0: yeah, but, well and it's yeah, a real yeah. problem because it feeds into this um, you know, this uh dialogue and rhetoric around what uh, what farming is and that it's just, you know, old white men, um, lonely and yeah. It's so the industry is so much more vibrant than that. It's got so much more going for it. And as a young woman, like I feel so proud to be in the industry. And it really disappoints me that yeah to hear stuff like that.
1: Yes, and yeah, they're, they're getting pigeon. It's just the pigeonhole thing again. It's just rubbish, and it needs to change. Like imagine if they had yeah all these, you know, young young women on on horseback and all these blokes from the city. And they just pants a lot of them and embarrass them. Like, you know, that's, that'd be that'd be a television show to watch
0: mm-hmm. to
1: see a whole heap of masculine men get dethroned by awesome chicks on yeah. horseback.
0: <laughs> I love but, it.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah no, that, that, she he didn't want to bar but that chick. She stopped messaging me too. So mm-hmm. yeah, whatever.
0: <laughs> well, what's,
1: my two bob
0: <laughs> what's next for you, Mick? Have you got any sort of you know big plans or?
1: Oh. At the moment, I'm just trying to um, just stay out of the limelight, keep to myself. Um, I've got an amazing girlfriend now, so we're just sort of trying to, you know, keep, keep to ourselves and build our own little bloody empire up. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, if, if anyone's got a spare thousand acres, I'd love to have it and farm some sheep. But anyway, I'll stick to me 11 until I can afford <laughs> something bigger. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> but no, that's that's pretty much it. Just just working and trying to keep uh, trying to keep the grass green at my place. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's about it. Nothing, nothing too exciting. That's for sure. Yeah, apart from a couple of couple of trips around, a couple of um, you know fundraisers and that sort of jazz. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah certainly certainly keen to um for the next season to start so i just drift into the backlog of other
0: it has been (laughs) reality
1: yes yes i cannot wait to be one of those
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh i love that mick thank you so much for coming on the podcast i'm delighted to have you on and thank you for yeah like i said being an advocate for our industry we're yeah we're lucky to have you
1: not a drama anytime mate
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Generation Ag. We hope you loved it. If you did, don't forget to visit our guest bios page on our website where you can get all of their contact information. And if you have an idea for another guest in the future or a story that you want to hear, you can get in touch with us via our email, which is hello at generationag.com.au. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at generation.ag. That's Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And if you've loved this episode as well, you can share it with your friends on your socials and make sure to subscribe to us on the podcast app and leave us a review because it all really helps as well. Thanks, guys. Bye.